Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. Jesus, we have a lot of freedoms here in our country. We are blessed to be able to live in this place in the world. And we know that right now we are in more uncertain times than ever before, even more so than 2001. And God, 20 years ago when 9-11 happened, the churches were filled for about three months and then everyone went back to normal. They forgot. They forgot. I ask you today that we would never forget the blessings we have, the freedoms to every single Sunday attend a church. Even when we're on vacation, we can find a church somewhere. We are blessed. Forgive us for taking those rights and freedoms for granted. And I ask you today, I ask you today that you would cover those families who had lost loved ones. And for those who are rescued, I ask you that they would remember the blessing that they had of being spared. And so, Jesus, I thank you for how you spared my friend. And yet my heart mourns for those who have lost loved ones. I ask you for a new season in our church. We are in a season of a new normal that none of us like. And yet you want to show up like you've never shown up before. And God, here's my biggest concern. That in, the, the, in all the dissension in our country right now, that we would be vulnerable for another attack. Not just from the outside, but from within. And God, I ask you for a supernatural protection over our church over our families, over our communities, and even over our country. And here's what I ask you. God, I ask you that you would answer the hearts of the plant family, that revival would finally come to America. Amen? We ask that. And God, the one thing that you told me last spring was, come stronger than you've ever come before. And so God, today... May my, be, my, may my preaching be more on fire for you than ever before. May your word come alive. May the spirit of God live in this building just like it did in the tent of meetings, just like it did in the tabernacle. Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, we honor you. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. I'm very excited for this year. I'm going to try not to get emotional today. It's our 13th celebration as a plant family. How awesome is that? 13 years ago, we were sent. So if I get a little sniffle, please know I'm crying. I don't have COVID. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, I'd be a bad pastor for being here. But here's another great celebration. It's year two celebration, really year, year two of West Milford. And today, they are having their kickoff Sunday. And so when you leave here today, you have one job. 
pray that the Spirit of God would bless West Milford. Amen? Amen. So, Jesus always taught best through story. And the reason I say that is because the only way he taught was through story. Parables, right? An earthly story with a heavenly meeting. Okay? I remember one time I asked my kids, I said, what's a parable? They go, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so the only way Jesus taught, he was either teaching, encouraging, or rebuking, was through parable. Now, there are two parables that I believe that stand out over all the other parables. It's kind of like the most important one, the next one, and then every other one kind of filters up to the other ones. The most important one is the sower and the seed. It talks about the human heart and what God wants to do. We did that two years ago when the pandemic just hit. But... There's a second one, and it's the parable that fully centers on the gospel. Now, let me tell you something, and my staff didn't believe me until we went backwards and looked at all the different sermons I had preached. I had been waiting to preach this sermon series for 13 years. I've never preached a sermon series on the prodigal son. And last summer, I did all my homework to get ready, and all of a sudden, this is what the Holy Spirit told me. That parable wasn't for the church yet. It was for you. Ooh, Jesus did a little rebuking that summer. But here's what I've learned about the prodigal. Is that oftentimes when we read the, the parable of the prodigal, is we, we look at it through the wrong lens. Because when we look at the prodigal, and we're going to learn next week who the real audience is, but what we will learn this week and next week and the following week, because it will be a three-week sermon series, is that at one stage or another, each one of us, including Pastor Rob, is a prodigal. And so our sermon series is not called the prodigal son, it's called the prodigals. My prayer is that your hearts would be so open to the gospel that you would respond like the son we talk about this morning. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15. And we're going to dive into this for three solid weeks. And we're just going to take section after section and we're going to look at each of the characters. And this is what it says in Luke chapter 15. To illustrate the point further, so there was something going on, and we'll tackle that next week, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now, stop right there. This is a ridiculous ask. Do I get an amen, daddies out there? Amen. Now, we got to understand something. There's a difference between being rich and wealthy, right? We want these get-rich-quick schemes, right? We want the money now. We want the dollars. But wealth is something that's accumulated over time and passed from generation to generation. And there are certain areas of, of here in Bergen County that are more wealthy than they are communities that are rich. And if you drive through them, you know which ones I'm talking about. But this son, he had two sons, this father, a younger and an older one. 
And at some point, and again, Jesus is using this as a story to illustrate a heavenly meeting. The younger son says, you know what? I don't like it here. I don't want to be a part of you. I want to go figure out life for myself. Anyone with teenagers here? Give me an amen. Amen. Oh, seriously? (laughs) Really? How many of you were once teenagers? Give me an amen. amen. Yes, so you know what the younger son is saying. And the younger son says, give me half the estate. Give me what is mine. Now, here's why this is a ridiculous ask. Maybe in our culture, when someone passes away and there's an estate and it's divided amongst the children equally, back in biblical times, that's not how it worked. And trust me, my oldest son always tells me biblical truths when they fit him best. (laughs) He said, Dad, just remember, when you die, thank you, Brandon, I get the most. And everybody else gets less than me. And so when you talk about a ridiculous ass, that's part of the problem here. That the younger son actually asked for something that's not his. And the ridiculous ass is also this. He basically was telling his father and his family and his lineage that I wish you dead. Now think about this. If we were allowed to spank during these days of ages, what would you do? You take the kid in the room and you give him a good spank him to put him in shape. But we don't do that here in the United States, do we? Everyone gets quiet. But literally what would happen if this was a real ask? Here's what would happen. The son would be disowned. He would have been thrown out of the family. And, and, I, and I said that jokingly about the spankings. He would have actually been, had a physical beating. Because never would you dishonor your family or shame your family with such an ask. And here's what Jesus does all the time. He shows the purity of God's heart by using the most extreme examples to get our attentions. And the problem is this young son had a rude awakening waiting for him. So let's continue. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in what? Wild living. Now, I want you to underline something if you are able to. Underline the word distant land. Because one of the things that I love that Jesus does is he uses these phrases to speak to the human heart. That's what's so unique about him. So this young son gets half of his inheritance. And by the way, I have some good plant coffee up here. Let me take a sip. Best coffee ever. And he goes to a place called the distant land. Now, why did Jesus call it a distant land? Because it was the opposite of every part of the culture that he was brought up in. Religiously, relationally, socially, culturally. It was the complete opposite of the place in which he grew up in. He was a foreigner who wanted to fit in. And so when Jesus talks about this idea of a distant land, it's that place that opposes every sort of belief system and family value that this child had come from. Now let me ask you, have you ever gone to a distant land? Everything your family values, everything your family loves, everything your family believes in, that you said, you know what, I don't want anything to do with them And I'm going to associate myself with these individuals over here. Has anyone been there? 
Has anyone emotionally said, you know what, I think it's time that I start heading that way rather than staying right here? So the distant land is that extreme belief and behavior, all things opposed to God. It's the belief and behaviors that are all opposed to God. And so the son, to prove his point, to shame his father, said, I'm really out. And he goes out and he goes and does something called wild living. A season of fun. Why is it a season of fun? Because it's a period of time that, that this young man actually has a blast. Now, now, I think oftentimes when we come to church, we're so holy, and we, we kind of don't think about these things. And some of you, when I say these things, they kind of shock you like, oh, he just said that? Come on. Partying can be fun. Mm-hmm. You guys are really holy, right? <laughs> partying can be fun. That's why it's called partying, Right? And for a season, there are things that we engage in that are so self-consuming, so selfish, and they're fun because it's all about me and my desires and my agenda, that it's fun. And this guy goes out and he just parties like a rock star. And the funny thing is, is when the money runs out, the friends run out too. And I love what Proverbs says. It says, the poor are despised even by their neighbors, while the rich have many friends. Hmm, the Bible's pretty literal. It also says here in Proverbs 18.24, one who has unreliable friends come, soon comes to ruin. Have any of you experienced this, that when you were in a certain state, everyone wanted to be around you? But when things ran out or your circumstance changed, it seemed like everyone just kind of drifted into the woodwork. And I think some of the things that I was thinking about, I was thinking about this. When the wine runs out, you are left with no one in the room. When the money runs out, no one wants to stay and play. And you would think, as this guy was the life of the party, that someone would have stepped in and helped out. But there's a real biblical truth here that there are seasons of fun that end in destruction. And the enemy and others have a beautiful way to manipulate us to think that these forms of lifestyle even though they temporarily soothe the soul, you're left in a place of isolation. How beautiful is this narrative that Jesus is talking about? When he's talking about this young man, he wants to separate himself from the father. He goes to a place that is so opposing to the father that if the father really knew where he was, it would have shamed the family. And everything that he once had, he threw away. I can't tell you how many times that I have told, counseled couples, the grass is never greener on the other side. 
How many times I've told people, like, yes, you are having a blast now, but I promise you, it will end. And so it says here in verse 14 through 16 about the time his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. Again, if you want to underline anything, underline feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. But no one gave him anything. And so when the money ran out, what he had learned was this. His selfishness led him to a place of isolation. And I love how creative Jesus is because he doesn't say that, that this young man went, and went to the local Starbucks and became a barista. It doesn't say that. He didn't go to the lo local restaurant and become a waiter. He didn't go to this or that. He went to the place which he knew was a sign that he was in the greatest place of isolation. He worked with the pigs. A good Jewish boy knew a couple things. One, pigs are the dirtiest animal on the face of the earth in their culture. And two, we do not eat pigs. We do not. And so he's in this pigsty, realizing like, wow, I've really hit rock bottom. I'm not even allowed to eat the, from, from the slop buckets, the leftover nasty food. These pigs represent every single thing that's, that's against my culture. And even the farmer wouldn't give him something to eat. And his selfishness led to a place of isolation. How many of us have ever been this prodigal? Come on, let's see the real prodigals out there. Three of us, four, lying, you're all prodigals. But again, this is, there, there's something Jesus is trying to teach us. Watch this in verse 17 through 19. And now underline this again. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. He wasn't starving. He was what? Dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. Now look at this phrase. Came to his senses. What does it mean to come to your senses? This is what it means. To start to think and behave reasonably after a period of foolishness, or irrationality. Look at that definition. It means to be, to regain consciousness in the state of foolishness or irresponsibility. This young man on his own realized like, whoa, what did I do? I gave it all up. For a short period of time. 
never recognizing the long-term effects. I will never gain that inheritance back. I am separated from people that, that actually loved me and valued me. That place that I thought would bring hope and confidence has only brought destruction and loneliness. And when he came to his senses, you know what he did? He followed the same path home in which he took to go as far away from the Father as possible. Because he had one hope, that his Father would have pity on him. That his Father would have mercy on him. And maybe, maybe the best chance of saying, I'm no longer your son, but look it, we have the same eyes. We have the same facial features. At least let me be a hired servant. And he said, this is my last chance. So verse 20 through 24. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son and embraced him and, and kissed him. And his son said to him, the same speech he thought about in the pigsty, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. And before the, the son could get another word out of his mouth, this is what the father said. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he's found. And my favorite line, so the party began. There is something about being at a Christian party that's better than any worldly party you could ever go to. You want to know why? Because it's all done for a bigger, greater purpose. I think when Christians party, they should party harder, harder than anybody else because they're partying with the right motives and the right responsibility. I loved when my daughter got married last summer. I never danced so hard in my life. People thought I was 25. I mean, it was old school dancing, but it was good dancing. It was old school, but I did have my moves. They all came back. Actually, Scott Hosier said, like, wow, I've never seen you dance so good. Yes, like the 90s, but good. But, but there's something about a celebration. That as Christians, we, we should find more joy in our lives and finding reasons to celebrate in people's lives that actually say to people, wow, look what God is doing. And I love this, that as the son was starting to give his speech, he, the father interrupted him. He never even got to the servant parts. And he said, quick, bring him that which is not his, but it's fully his, because he's my son. And there was a homecoming. And if any of you have gone to a high school reunion or back to a homecoming game, you know those emotions that, go, go, that are stirring around. For some, it's like the father. I can't wait to see everybody. 
right? Some of those people drive you crazy, right? Hey, 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 hey. Oh, no, there they are, right? But there's many people like the son saying, I'll never go back because of shame and guilt. But there's an X factor in this narrative. There's an X factor in this parable. There's a variable that changes everything. This young man was his son. And this father was waiting for his son. As the father worked the fields, you could probably see him, you know, tilling the fields and looking out where his son left. Or at night, he, he grabs his coffee and he sits on the porch and he just looks and says, will he ever come home? And if you've ever, ever have been in conflict with a child, all that stuff goes away and the only thing you care about is being reunited with them. Who cares what you did? You're home. Let's start fresh. I love what it says in Romans. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. No height, no depth, no angel, no demon. Nothing can separate us from the love of the Father. We can run as far away from the Father as we want, but the Father still loves us. The Father still adores us. The Father still longs for us. And the only people who have distorted the Father's love is humanity. And the people that distort the Father's love have never experienced the Father's love for themselves. It says simply this. It says, but if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You know what I love about this? It, the son didn't even be, wasn't even fully confessing. But his heart already confessed. The son couldn't get everything out. The father's like, I see you. This is a sign of repentance. This is a sign of humility. But he didn't let me finish the speech. You didn't, didn't let me say the servant part. But the truth is this. God knows our hearts. And if we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us from all of our wrongs. And you know what wrong is? Anything that opposes God. Anything. You know your heart. You know when you're opposing him. Do you know when you are that younger son running away? So who's the prodigal? There's two prodigals. And I think we forget about this because remember, we are God's greatest creation. And so the first prodigal is this, the person who chooses to live as if they are their own authority under their own moral law and code of conduct. That's humanity, right? Even people who have never met God, they, they really are a prodigal because God's greatest creation is humanity, you and I. But there's a second prodigal. It's the Christian who has tasted and seen how good God is and says, you know what? I choose to walk away and squander my spiritual identity. 
someone who was once in Christ that says, I no longer want to be in Christ. I want to be in myself and in the world and the culture around me. And I want to squander my identity. But remember this. If you're a child of God, he's going to hunt you down. Once a child, always a child. My boys could run as far away from me as possible. And I will always, always love them. And I will always, always welcome them home. I am that prodigal. I am that person who at a certain stage said I wanted to squander my spiritual identity. I am that prodigal. I chose at a stage in my life as a young man that I wanted to run to a distant land as, as far away from the things of God as possible. I am that prodigal. Because even though I had a season of fun, and for so many years I'm like, it wasn't fun, it wasn't fun. Come on, Rob, you're lying. For that season of fun, I realized that I was left in a place of loneliness and isolation. And it was my selfishness that drove me here. I am a prodigal. And that I came to my senses with a really good speech to give God. I am a prodigal who was welcomed home not because of how I said something, but that I chose that I wanted to be back in fellowship with my heavenly father. I am a prodigal. I want you to take this passage this week and just take this section and just read through it and ask yourself, am I a prodigal? Each of us is prone to wander. Each of us is prone to leave the God we love. The question is, will we live in the embrace of our true identity, knowing that going over here will almost put us in a, will only put us in a place of isolation? I think it's also important to point out this. The creativity of Christ. You can go to the next slide, Tommy. Jesus used phrases to get the attention of his audience. He used phrases. Distant land. Came to his senses. Wild living. Why? Because the God of the universe speaks our language in a manner that we can understand. What's a parable? It's an earthly story told in an earthly manner using earthly language for heavenly good. Jesus speaks the language of humanity. We have a heavenly father who welcomes home all who have gone to a distant place. 
and who have come to their senses. Do not allow fear and shame to keep you in the pig pen. Come home. Come home. And if you need to come home, come home today. And if you are home, and this is just something that you need to hear this because you have a prodigal in your family, you need to do the next thing that I want to challenge you to do and for us to do. We, the plants, need to be the family of God that welcomes home the prodigals. No shame, no guilt, just open arms. And that's why the plant was started. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for keeping me composed. I ask you, Lord, in the midst of everything that's going on in our culture, we know that during COVID, people have ran far from God. We also understand that there are people in our lives who have been running from God. It's never too late. And God, I'm going to say something very bold here. I prophetically speak into our land that the prodigals will come home. Because God, if you could drive me to come home, you can drive anybody to come home. I prophetically speak that the prodigals will come home. And I beg you that churches will not be filled with shame and guilt, but with grace and mercy and love and open arms. Because God, that's who we declare we are. Home. Where shame and guilt are not allowed. Let's be a little bold this morning. We're going to go into a song of worship. Let's keep your eyes closed. If there's anyone here who needs to come home, we're going to start singing. Everyone keep your eyes closed. I want you just to stand up right now. I just want you to stand up. Just be bold. We're not going to be the church of the wimpy. We're not. We need to be the church that's bold. You need to come home. Just stand up. Just stand up. No one's looking. Raise your hand and give that person back to the Father. Because He 
cares more about that prodigal than you could ever, ever care yourself. Let's worship together. It was great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at plantchurch.org.